Hello, my name's Brian Martin, and you're listening to episode four of the Running Technique Tips podcast. Um, I'm joined now by my co-host, Lisa Biffin, from what sounds like cold Sydney. Oh, morning, Brian. I tell you what, last week, relishing, thinking, yep, turn the corner, um, sun's out, and uh, plummeted. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's only fair that some of the uh, cold weather gets shared around, um, up into uh, people that are not really quite so used to it or tough, toughened up or hardened like we are down here in um, Ballarat? Oh, I'm not hardened at all and I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, excellent. How has how has your week been otherwise? Uh, yeah, do you know, I think last week I had said that I was really tired um, and I have completed the, the final, the end of my single mum life um, came to an end on the weekend, and you know the body is an amazing thing. It was sort of it held on, <laughs> and then I just collapsed in a heap. So I had a teething child. I lived off three hours sleep for I think three nights in a row, um, and it was the first week of marathon block too. So all of that in one, I actually don't even know how I got through the week to be honest. <laughs> but you did manage it, and now help is at hand. So um, hopefully, oh. hopefully things will settle down a bit for you. Oh, I think so. I've just like I'm sitting on the chair now, and I just my whole body just aches. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, but um, yeah, no, I'm 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 still pretty buggered actually. I think you know when you've had quite a few nights of poor sleep, and then you start to I've had a couple of nights now of better sleep, but you don't get that deficit like that deficit doesn't just instantly um like it's not an instant fix so you need a few good nights of sleep to then recover so i'm uh, i'm still in that really foggy i feel like i'm hungover state <laughs> take a little bit of time to yeah. uh, get back into the swing of things oh i think it will but um look i'm coming off my my first full week of my official 14 week marathon program um and i actually got through the whole thing unscathed apart from next to no sleep um it's my second biggest week ever in my entire life i did 83 kilometers wow nice big week massive like quite a big jump from the previous week which was you know sort of that 70 k's that i'd been doing week on week so and this is really where i want to sit um god i'm tired today (laughs) (laughs) but you got through the week so you must have um recovered a bit from I remember last week you were telling us about how you bonked in that 10k and you had to uh, you had to pull out at 5k yeah um, we were talking about that during the week and we kind of thought maybe we figured out what went wrong there yeah well apart from the exhaustion um, I actually just didn't eat enough as well so I think one of the things um, you know I fall into the trap of and I'm sure other mums and dads, fall into as well when you're so busy and you're running around with the kids and when they're so small it's actually just really easy to forget to eat which I know sounds ridiculous um but when everything is rushed and you always feel like you're running late you know you you're usually the one that sort of ends up suffering so um I I think I'd barely eaten a thing until I got to that run and I'd actually mentioned during my warm-up uh, to my training partner, I was like, God, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. um, and then looking back, 
I just, I really hadn't eaten enough. The Ks had been increasing. I'd done that long run on the Wednesday. Um, I don't think I just had the carbs in me either. Uh, and you'd done some fairly intense training as well, so yeah. you probably burned up a lot of your um, glycogen reserves in your muscles by the sounds of things. Yeah, so, look, big lesson learned. So this mm. week I've just been, it's been a full-time job eating as well as training and looking after the girls on my own. No wonder I'm in a bit of a heap. <laughs> Yeah, well, this whole forgetting how to eat thing makes no sense to me whatsoever. Like no. I have heard, I have heard that it is a thing, and other people have talked about it. For me, I just get really hangry if I don't eat, so I never forget. Yeah, well, and I wouldn't normally, but um, yeah, when life is just so chaotic, mm. it's um, yeah, it's sort of just you grab something, whatever you can can get, and often that's not very much. So, um, yeah, so I ate a lot this week. Uh, I got the K's up, and I did because I was. Honestly, so sleep deprived. Um, my Tuesday and Thursday session that I do, I pulled them right back. So mm-hmm. um, Tuesday did sort of like a hill fartlek loop. It was uh, about 2.7 Ks per loop, um, but I was running sort of a 4.30 K average. It felt amazing. It was just get it done, um, you know, a little bit of in- increase in pace but, you know, not killing myself. And then on the Thursday, I actually, I finished work. It had been the <laughs> the third night in the row of three hours sleep and I sat in the car and I, I just wanted to burst into tears. <laughs> I just thought I, don't, I actually don't even know how I'm going to get through the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I made the decision, you know, just just go to training. There'll be other people there. Just do something. So I only ended up doing a total of 10Ks and I've been trying to get sort of 15Ks on those session days to get the Ks up. Um, and, again, I, I did a really easy, great session actually. It was a – the session was an 800 metres, jog 200, 600 metres, jog 200, 200 metres. So it totaled two kilometres. Um, and I'd actually really love to try this – and, and give it a red hot go because I was only running sort of four minute K average. And for me on the track, that's pretty, like, that's really nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved it. It was a great little session, um, really short warm up, really short warm down. And literally, I think I was asleep by about 8.15 on Thursday night. Um, but got it done. And yeah. Um, yeah. And then on the, on the weekend, uh, I had a cross country. It, it was a race. I didn't race it. And I think I say every week I hate cross country. So I'm going to continue that theme. <laughs> I still hate cross country. <laughs> um, really tough course though. So it was out at a place called Rydalmere. I have the worst sense of direction and am quite bad at geography. So I'm not entirely sure where it was. Um, six k. Just followed your sat nav, right? Oh, I actually got driven there, so that makes oh, it worse. Okay. You, I, I spend too much time talking, and I don't really pay any attention to where I am. Um, there was a six k course. Did a really long warm up and a really long cool down, and then did the six k's as a tempo. Um, I had intended on trying to run about four minute k's as the tempo, but when I ran the course as a warm up, I just thought this is a tough course. So mm. it was sandy, it was on a camber, um, there were lots of hills, uphills, downhills, 180 turns. It wasn't a quick course. So 
I actually reassessed that and said, right, four tens is the pace mm-hmm. um, and spot on around 25 minutes and started off really slowly um, and I actually didn't really in, increase the pace. It's just that everyone else went out too hard. <laughs> yeah, that's what, um, that's what happens. It's nice when that happens oh, and was, you're, not, you're not the one. <laughs> oh, it was so nice because I've still got the, um, I think, the, the scars of the Gold Coast where I went out like a crazy person and, <laughs> and basically crawled home. Um, I'm still living with them, so it was so nice. I think I did my first K in a 410 and it was just, it just felt really nice. So that for me gave me a lot of confidence Um, and I think I I texted you afterwards and I said, right, I reckon I could get out and run a 310 marathon now. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, hmm, not sure about that, but um, after looking at some stuff this morning, I'm thinking maybe you're onto something. (laughs) Yes. Um, and then got out for my two hours on Sunday and had a cracker of a run on Sunday. I really don't know where it came from. Um, it was a five minute K average, ended up covering 24 Ks in the two hours. So it, um, I'm sort of starting to, I think I'm actually starting to get fit. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, the longer the runs are going, I'm starting to feel really good. I only, I take those little, um, they're cliff, I think they're called cliff bars but they're like little lollies mm-hmm. i'm not sure if you've heard of them before um i don't really like gels but these are like little lollies i love them i could probably just eat the whole packet sitting there <laughs> so, so how many of those did you have uh, so i actually only had two um and i don't even think i really needed them but i mm. oh, i took them anyway i actually quite like the taste of them <laughs> um so yeah all up 83 k's it was a really hard week for me just personally being, you know, final week of my single mom and no sleep, but yeah. so proud of myself that um, I I did the Ks, I got through it all. And the other thing that I did every single night, apart from the Thursday where I collapsed into bed, I rolled and I stretched, which for me is a really important part. Well done you because that's the kind of stuff that I, I'm just way too lazy <laughs> to get that stuff done. Yeah, so I'm so determined to get to the start of this marathon and you know and run it really well. So I, I need to do those one percenters. My hips and my knees just, they thank me for it. So I'm actually getting out of bed every morning and I'm, I'm feeling quite good. And I think this reduced pace is quite good and when I say reduce pace like in my sessions mm-hmm. um, I think we've spoken about it before in uh, another um, episode where previously I'd be running a lot quicker than this and I'd often struggle to get out of bed I'd be really sore but really pulling it back um, my body seems to be thanking me for it it would it would and are you doing you'd be doing quite a bit of slow jogging warm-ups warm downs oh, around those sessions as well would that be so right? my warm downs I am shocking at warm downs I barely can even get it to be six minute k's often it's mm, lower that's good um i just and i actually feel like i'm running at max speed i'm usually doing a warm down on my own because everyone else is off into the distance and my my warm-ups that usually start at six minute k's um and they might end up at about five thirties, but they're not fast at all so um it, it's quite nice my body just you know really eases into it i'm doing big warm-ups sort of six seven k warm-ups mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get my warm downs to three k's, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, usually around two, two-ish, three k's. But it's slow, yeah. very slow running. 
Now, did you mention your midweek long run as part of that recap? I did. Well, I didn't, but I did do it. So I did 90 yep. minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, average was 5.22. I started super, super slow. I think I did a 6.08 or 6.01 for my sort of mm-hmm. first K warmed into it. Um, I was really sleep running on this. I did 16.8 Ks. Um and I really just got it done. I actually don't even remember it. I was that tired. <laughs> Sleep running, is that a thing? Oh, it, it, it is. I ask any um, parents of children under five and it's a thing. Okay. I'll take your word for <laughs> that one. Word. So one, um, week one down of 14, feeling good, really happy, and I'm actually getting some sleep. So onwards and upwards for week two. That's good. Yeah. And, and you're... Um, your long run was pretty pacey on the weekend. Did you get any heart rate data out of that? Uh, no. <laughs> I need to buy this watch. <laughs> um, it started off slow, but uh, I actually met up with my training partner who really ticks along in her runs. Um surprisingly towards the back end, I have this thing if I can lock into a pace and it's feeling okay, it really just ticks along. It would have been interesting to see the heart rate. Um, I was actually running sort of sub five minute Ks towards the end, and I was on my own. But it, I felt like I was. It was effortless. So um, that's what I mean. I feel like I'm getting fit, but I reckon it was probably about five or ten seconds too fast. Mm. If, if I was to, if I if I had heart rate data on there, I reckon it would be telling me that. Yeah. So um, yeah. Monday is a rest <laughs> and I'll be doing absolutely nothing. Sounds good. Mm. So what about you? You were uh, week one of your 10-week plan. Yes, that's right. Um, and you had a big, not race, but a big event at the end of it. So how'd it go? Following my plan, yeah. Um, it was a pretty good week overall. I was actually back into back into study last week. So um, week one of semester kicking off. Um so I was a bad student, though. I didn't get much study done. I was probably focusing too much on my running, so I'll have to address that this week. Um, but, yeah, I like you, I started my week with um, rest on a Monday as usual. Um, I did about 50 minutes on the Tuesday, uh, and I've got, as part of that new plan, I've got two sets of those um, those Lydiard Hills each week. So I did a set of those on Tuesday um, after my 50-minute easy run, which is about 9K, um, heart rate average was about 128, and I think I averaged 540 kilometer pace. Um, Wednesday, I got my long my midweek long run done. That was 90 minutes, about 16 and a half kilometers at 532 pace. Um, so you're I, moving on too. Yeah, that was moving a bit better than the week before. And to be honest, I was still holding myself back a little bit in that run um, because the week before I I did that hard 5K effort um, and I also wanted to arrive at the end of the week for that 15K marathon pace practice session um, in relatively good shape. So, so yeah, although I averaged 532-kilometre pace, heart rate average was only 131 for that, which was pretty low. That's sort of at the low end of my um, uh, Maffetone training heart rate. So, yeah, I was able to get a reasonable pace without too much strain, which was good. Um, did four strides after that, um, which is nice just to keep the legs ticking over. Have you still been so, doing them or have they been dropping off? No, I've been 
I've been doing them um, pretty much religiously for most of this campaign because, yeah, last year I really did feel that I got into slow, slow mode and wasn't really doing any speed work whatsoever. So, yeah, particularly after those long runs, it's just been nice to to stretch out and uh, get the legs turning over a little bit faster um, after what can become you know, a little bit plotty on some of those runs. So I've been pretty good about doing those. Um, and Thursday, yeah, it was another 50-minute jog essentially of around 9Ks and, yeah, did another set of those um, six Lydiard Hills. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, my average pace for the jog was 5.36, heart rate 129 average. Um, and, yeah, on doing the second set of those, I could definitely feel that. So... Um, but in a good way, so I could really sort of start to feel that, yeah, this, you know, I was talking about that as being equivalent to strength training. Yeah. I was getting that kind of fatigue and um, a little bit of really gentle kind of delayed onset muscle soreness, the DOMS that you would sort of get if you'd been to the gym. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm really kind of enjoying those and I, I think they're really kind of helping me get a little bit stronger. Um and Friday, I just did a really slow 40-minute jog, 5.46 average. I probably did about 6.5K. Six, six um, heart rate average was 125, so I really wanted to take it easy ahead of the um, the training session on the Saturday, mm. um, <laughs> which um, was really interesting. Um, I, I think I mentioned when we were not recording last week that Apparently, Ballarat has had its like windiest July in nearly thirty years, and it's been that trend—it's winter. It, it really has, yeah. And that trend definitely continued um, into Saturday. Um, so it was a super windy day, which was unfortunate, given yeah, well, not not unexpected, given given, given Ballarat and given the wind that sort of picks up around Lake Wendery, but a little bit unfortunate for my planned session, which was to kind of get an idea about how reasonable or not my marathon goal pace was. Um, so, yeah, I think we had, you know, 45k an hour winds kind yeah, of gusting. there's nowhere to hide on that lake. No. It's, you know, it's, it's a lake, it's big, it's open. Uh, it's a great place to run when the weather's not 45 kilometre per hour winds. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, so, yeah, it ended up being, yeah, very, very windy. Um, but, uh, and and look, I, I may as well, I'll get the, um, I'll get the kind of the, it's not really bad news, but I'll just kind of get the facts out about how it went. Um, and then I'll talk about why I'm interpreting it from a glass half full perspective. Um, so, heading into the session, basically the idea was run 5K, at five seconds slower than marathon goal pace, then run 5K at marathon goal pace, um, and then run the last five kilometres um, five seconds faster than marathon goal pace. So for me, that looked like the first 5K was supposed to be 550 kilometre pace, and the middle was 445, and the last one was supposed to be 440. And what I was kind of hoping to see was, especially in the first 5K, um, for my heart rate to be kind of sitting at the low end of my marathon pace heart rate, which uh, according to the information in 
um, advanced marathoning would sort of be between about 141 and 155 beats a minute for for me. Um, so what actually happened was um, through that first five kilometres, I yeah, the pace was a little bit up and down um, due to the gustiness of the wind. But um, first 5K, I did average just about 450 pace. Um, but my heart rate average for the five that 5K segment was uh, 147, which was kind of a bit higher than what I would have been hoping for had it not been windy. Um, and the second 5K segment, uh, basically, I got a slightly off my pace and I think that was just a factor of um, the wind and possibly a little bit of lost concentration, but I only averaged 447 pace, so I didn't quite hit. Mm. Um, my pace goal for that middle 5k segment. Were you watching um, and, your watch very much during this, or you thought I'm yeah. just going to run it to feel? Like, how did you do it? Uh, I was. I actually had my watch set onto pace, and that actually is not as easy as it sounds because, as people know, you you the pace readout that you get from your watch can often be inaccurate, and I know that mine is. So what I actually had to do was keep doing the mental arithmetic of. Um, if I wanted to run 450 pace, my watch was probably needed to say 445 because it's because it's out by about that much. Um, so yeah, I was sort of doing that that mental maths, which you know it's obviously not very difficult maths, but when you're running and it's windy and you're around other people, like any additional um, level of thinking um, can sometimes be a little bit too much. But but yeah, that middle 5k section, uh, 447 pace average. Uh, 155 heart rate average so that was right at the the very top end of what I would hope my marathon heart rate would be and look for my marathon last year I can hold 155 for a long time um, and deep into the race as well so so that number in itself isn't particularly scary but I didn't want to see it like that high um, you know at the end of running um, 10ks um which is obviously nowhere near as far as the marathon. Mm. Um, and the last 5K, I did average very close to 440 pace, uh, but my heart rate was up at um, an average of about 159. So, the, yeah, the last couple of Ks actually dipped into really into threshold um, pace, which more is that, that kind of effort um, around a 10K pace. Um, so, look, you know, I could look at that and go that, is not good and my heart rate was higher than what I wanted it to be. Um, but considering how difficult it is to run into the wind and into crosswinds uh, and how much more effort you have to put into to try and maintain a steady pace, like my K splits, even though I was looking at my watch, were they were really quite up and down. So you have like lots of little mini surges even within HK just to try and hang on to your pace because you're getting blown around so much. Yeah, I um, think it's impossible to run, train, race into the wind. Um, yes. I, it's probably the one weather element that I hate and I just I, I completely lose it and I'm not very good running into the wind. I'm not sure if anyone, I'm not sure if any distance runner is usually so light. Um, what was the course like? Because the one lap around the lake from memory is 5.7 Ks. So was it sort of like, nearly three full loops no um because the the race is actually held on the road as opposed to on on the inside on the steve monaghetti um 
jogging or running track. So, yeah, they actually closed down half of um, the road that goes around Blake Wendery. Um, so how, how it works, and this was another thing that made the made the effort difficult, was that you start um, the race in the opposite direction to the way that you run the rest of it. So you sort of run this little, oh, it's probably about a two and a half to, yeah, be about two and a half to three K out and back segment um, where initially I think the first K and a bit of that was actually wasn't too bad wind-wise and then you turned around and ran back towards the start-finish and that was into the headwind almost from K number two Um, and then you just do two full laps after you get back to the start-finish line. So there's this kind of like little funny out and back section right at the beginning, beginning and then just two full clockwise laps around Lake Wendery on the road. Yeah, so there's um, really after no that. parting from the wind. You're either no, straight into no. it. <laughs> and and look, I'm, I might be overstating this, but I was looking at the course map afterwards and I I reckon due to the due to that start section, you actually end up getting the wind three times. So of the 15K, I reckon I was running into a headwind maybe for about 8Ks of that, so probably a bit more than half. Um, and that doesn't sort of account for the the crosswinds and other things that were going on at other points. So, so yeah, it's a pretty tough day for running and trying to maintain a, a steady pace and a moderate heart rate as you would yeah. want to. Well, even looking at the, the times of the the winners, and I must admit, I'm not quite familiar with um, male times over 15k, but I know the female winners sort of 53 and a half. Um, which don't get me wrong, I love to run 53 and a half minutes for 15k's. But, Still fast, yeah. Yeah, but um, from memory, I think it's more sort of low fifties, maybe fifty ones that um, the the top girls might run. So, yeah, tough day in the office. Yeah. Um, so, on the other, you know, glass half full things that I thought about while I was out there, because it would be pretty easy to have something like that, like destroy your confidence in what your plan was for your goal pace. Um, and yeah, on the positive side, I felt during the first 5k, even though my heart rate was up a bit that perceived effort wise, it felt really easy running about 450 pace, which you would hope it would. Mm. Um, but yeah, it still felt pretty easy. And I noticed I was even, I don't know if you ever pay much attention to breathing patterns, but, um, I was in a three, three breathing pattern during that at least for a large part of that first five kilometers. Mm. So that means like breathe in uh, and take three steps, breathe out and take three steps. Whereas usually if you're in a kind of a race scenario, you'd be doing two, two, um, which would be, yeah, breathe in two steps, breathe out two steps. So um, that was another sign that it perceived effort wise, that it wasn't really very difficult um, for me. Um, And look for the rest of the, the race, even though I was a little bit off in that middle segment pace-wise, it wasn't because I was finding it super difficult or anything. It was just I, I got off pace slightly. So throughout the whole the whole thing, it didn't seem particularly difficult um, to maintain those paces, um, so what which is was the also a good sign. Marathon, what is your marathon pace again? For- uh, about 4.45. Okay, pace. yep. Yeah, would give you pretty close to a 3.20 marathon. And so... I mean, you you just didn't have the ideal conditions. Would you look at doing this again um, to try and get a more accurate representation or you feel like you've achieved what you wanted to achieve despite the wind? 
Yeah, look, I, I don't think I would do it again. Um, I would definitely do that session again next year. Um, whether I do it at this stage or schedule schedule it a little bit closer to the marathon itself, you'd probably actually get more accurate feedback. Um, so, yeah, maybe next year I could schedule that session maybe as part of running the Burnley Half Marathon or something like that, um, which would um, give you an idea about sort of six weeks out from the Melbourne Marathon about how you were going um, pace-wise. Um, so I'd definitely do it again, but I don't think I'd bother doing it again in this campaign because there'll be some other indicators that we'll talk about later that might or give me some additional confidence that my goal pace is kind of in the ballpark. And did you warm up and warm down or you just decided that the actual event was enough? No, I did. I warmed up. I did about a 3K warm up and about a 5k cool down so i think i covered for the day i covered about 23 kilometers so okay. i actually made that my long run for the week yeah nice um uh which was yeah it was good to kind of get that done um what i was going to mention a couple of other things um so yeah uh, from a from a rap perspective i'd say there wasn't anything too alarming there that would suggest that my goal pace is too ambitious at 4.45, but equally there's nothing that happened out there that would tell me that I should be trying to think about running faster for this marathon. So <laughs> It's still ten, well, nine weeks away now, so. Uh, yeah, yeah that's might, right. Uh, might surprise yourself. Yeah, possibly. Um, and, look, the, the other nice thing that happened because I was feeling um, – so good because I wasn't doing a maximal effort um, in the in the last lap, uh, and I got this from my brother actually because he's very good at thanking the volunteers at Park Run. And I was actually every time I ran past one of the course marshals, I just thanked them for their um, efforts in volunteering. Um, which you it's know conditions I, like that. I mean, oh man, they were just sitting the out there in the cold it, and the you wind. Imagine standing there for. Yeah. I mean. They're not they're just there for your race. <laughs> no, that's right. They're, the they're, they're out there for probably three hours at least yeah. um, in the freezing cold. So, yeah, I must have thanked about at least half a dozen volunteers and some of them nearly fell off their little stools and chairs because <laughs> I, I don't think they get thanked enough. No. <laughs> so it's definitely something to think about for future events. If you do have a, the opportunity to thank the volunteers, some of them will really appreciate it. Yeah. And there was definitely one of them in particular who was just completely wrapped to be to be actually thanked for being out there. So uh, yeah, good. Good on that, you. Was, that was kind of a, yeah, that was kind of a nice thing. So it's easy to be kind of selfish as runners. So uh, it's good to make sure you acknowledge the people that are making the event happen for you. Yeah, exactly. Also, not all is lost. Um, I really do like that, that training session. So I, as I said, I've got it in my program, but um, yeah, I'd be interested to see how it goes. Hmm, Definitely. Oh, sorry, one other thing, and the the other thing I used that session for was to try out um, potential marathon race shoes. Oh, yeah. So I actually, and yeah, everyone loves talking about running shoes. I actually did it in the Adidas Adios Boost. Okay. Um, and I've probably, that's probably about the fourth, fourth or fifth run only that I've done in that pair of shoes, so I'm probably still breaking them in. But um, they actually felt pretty good, um, so I think they're, firming up as uh, as being a favourite for my choice for actually running the Melbourne Marathon in those shoes mm. um, in October. So it was good to get some feedback for what those shoes would feel like running on the road for, fee- for 
for 15K at marathon pace because mostly I've been running in them on trails, not on the road. So it's good to wear your marathon race shoes um, in a situation that's going to be similar to the marathon. So Yeah, we might talk good, about good to get that shoes, feedback. I guess, another time. I have no idea what I'm going to run my marathon mm. in. Yeah, well, I was quite confused because, as you know, I have quite a few different pairs of shoes. So <laughs> I was looking for, you know, I was hoping I'd put them on and they would be good because then I wouldn't have to um, think too hard about which shoes I would actually choose to run the marathon in and I think I probably will run the marathon in those. Mm. Okay, good. Um, and then and and, uh, and they they felt the faster I ran, the better they felt. I, I would say so. When I was sort of running three, uh, sorry, four forty, or there was a couple of sections where I was sort of I looked down at my watch and I was doing four thirty pace. They they felt even better. So, um, well, there's your incentive probably, to run quicker than four forty. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If only I was fit enough to run that for the whole the whole marathon. But um, yeah, it was good that they they did feel good. Um, especially when the pace picked up a little bit there. And sorry, I, just to finish my, this has been a very long recap, recap but <laughs> there was a lot to get through with that 15K. Um, I actually did my world record slowest run on Sunday, I reckon. Um, so I did I did about 67 minutes of jogging on Sunday just as recovery covered about 11 kilometres in an average of 606 kilometres. Yeah, well, so you how, and I couldn't have been more opposite on the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> how about that? <laughs> One, 122 heart rate average. But the reason I did that was um, uh, although that um, effort on Saturday didn't feel ridiculously hard, like because my heart rate was up quite a bit, there's no doubt I would have burned through quite a bit more of my uh glycogen reserves and there was a testament to that was how hungry I was on, <laughs> on Saturday night after the race. So, yeah, I just really wanted to look after myself on Sunday to make sure that I arrived into this week in good shape and ready to kind of bang out what's probably going to be a, a fairly long long and long week of training. Um, so, yeah, I was very conscious of um, recovery on the Sunday. So run, run as slow as you need to. What uh, was your case in the end? Uh, for the week, I think I got to 77 without thinking about it too much or straining too much for Ks, so that was pretty good. Um, oh, good, solid confidence-boosting week for you. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Overall, <laughs> glass half full, Lisa. Exactly. That's, oh, look, I'm think full positive. glass half full. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, um, I think it might be time for topic of the week. Yeah, let's do it. So our topic of the week this time is actually marathon goal pace prediction. Um, very appropriate. This one, yeah, very appropriate given what I did on the weekend. Um, and I think having having done my first marathon last year, the thing that caused me the most anxiety was having absolutely no clue <laughs> about um, whether my goal pace um, whether that was going to be realistic or not, or in fact, just even thinking about what my goal pace should be. So I don't know about you, Lisa, but I, I think it's one of those things that spending a bit of time thinking about it could actually help you prepare mentally, but also in your training leading up to the marathon. Yeah, and I guess there's two schools of thought. There are some people who just want to tick the marathon off. It's their bucket list item. They're only going to do one. They're happy to run, walk. 
But I still think that a lot of people, especially as it gets closer and closer, you get that competitive urge coming through. Um, and by setting a goal pace, you know, it doesn't have to be set in stone. I know mine is two hours, 59.59. <laughs> but by setting that, I can at least see the paces that I know that I need to be running and comfortably running to actually work out whether or not I'm even in the ballpark of being able to achieve that. And for me, that gives me a lot of confidence going into the race um, and also knowing, you know, I've never done one. Um, and I know you said this last year of that you were just so conservative at the start and um, I'm not quite as scared of the marathon as I know you are, but that's because I haven't done one. Um, but, you know, it does need to be respected and you see so many people and quality athletes that they go out and they don't even finish the marathon because it is so tough. So, um you know, for me, I like having that goal so that I can see the paces that I need to be running and just ticking them off. I'm such a list person, as we know. <laughs> so for me to be ticking off sessions um, and times along the way, it really helps me. Yeah. And to give you an idea of my level of confusion last year, I, and you might remember this, um, I, I thought that I could run you know, it was possible that I could run anywhere between three hours 20 and three hours 40. And I ended up running three hours, 36 and 50 odd seconds. Um, so, you know, a 20 minute range is probably not ideal in terms of um, um, where you think you might be at in terms of both your training, but also what pace you would select um, in the actual event itself. It is a big range. Um, that's it's a huge range. <laughs> but hang on, did you set a pace last year or did you go into it a bit of I'm just going to do the marathon and just see what happens? Well, look, it was definitely do the marathon, but I, I think from the get-go I was thinking that was where that kind of 20-minute range came from because I really didn't know what I would be able to achieve um, uh, given having coming off you know, a fairly long break in any kind of structured training um, and, yeah, obviously no experience of running the marathon before. So I kind of set that as a bit of a goal range. Um, and there were times when my training was going well where I thought um, I would run um, closer to the faster end or, you know, more around the 3.30 pace. Um, but, yeah, as I made a few mistakes in training and things kind of went wrong, I was then revising that back to more the conservative side. And, look, even when I went into the race on the day, I was thinking that, you know, a low 3.30 would be possible um, and, you know, I ended up a little bit away from that but, um, yeah, still a relatively satisfying result. But And how did you set that goal in the first place? I mean, you'd had, what, six years off running? Well, not not completely stopped but, yeah, probably five or six years of really not doing anything in a structured um, way. I, I guess I kind of just did it based on uh, I thought that running five-minute kilometre pace, which gives you a touch over three hours 30 for the marathon, would be reasonable for me given some of the times that I'd run before over shorter distances. Um, so I'd in the past, not recently, but run under 90 minutes for the half marathon, you know, run 38 minutes or so for the 10K, run under 18 minutes for 5K. So kind of looking at those things and thinking that um, uh, five minute per kilometre would be an achievable goal for me 
given what I'd done before and um, having a reasonable amount of time to prepare for the marathon. And look, on the face of it, I, I probably you know people would look at those other times and go, "You should have run faster." But for me, that's just an indication of I think how much different the marathon is to those shorter events. Yeah, which is a really really good point because how would you go about setting your goal pace? So if you're someone who is a regular park runner, um, it's a five k wonderful event, great distance, you can do it every single week. You know, when you're a thirty minute park runner um, or twenty five minute park runner. Like, how do you then sit down and go, how do I make that into a marathon goal pace? Yeah, well, I, I think just having a 5K time is probably not a great um, predictive factor. Like the, you can punch those into pace, pace calculators on the internet or if you go to our running Bible, the Daniel's running formula. So, for example, I ran 209, oh, sorry, 2009 for 5K at Park Run last week and according to Daniels that would give me an, an equivalent marathon performance to that assuming you could do the training is assumed to be like three hours 14 which is quite a bit faster than what my goal time is for this year's marathon so I don't see that as being a particularly accurate pace predictor for uh, for the average runner let's say. Um, I don't know about you, like have you looked at your Daniel's pace prediction yeah. recently? Uh, yes, I have. So, and this is where I find it a difficult thing to do. So setting your goal pace, and I know that I've chosen the sub three hours and there is a bit of a, I don't know, I guess there's something quite nice about saying you've run a sub three hour marathon. It's like the 100K week, isn't it? <laughs> Um, well, for me, the three-hour barrier in the marathons like it's almost like the people's four-minute mile because it's <laughs> it's a ch- you'd have you have to be a half-decent runner to do it, but you don't need to be super talented yeah. um, to be able to break three hours. But if you put year on year of dedicated performance, like it, it would be within the reach of um, a dedicated, keen, enthusiastic runner. But you don't need to be elite to do yeah, it. Yeah, so I've thrown myself right in there, and I'm not elite. And I haven't had year on year, <laughs> but you know, I've you're thinking of some previous times that I have run in my mind. And I've said this before: four minutes sixteen k's or four minute fifteen k's. It sounds so easy, um, you know. I've when I've been in a semi fit state, I've been able to cruise around ten k's in sort of thirty eight, thirty eight and a half minutes, and it's felt effortless. Um, so you know, for me, who's probably more of a middle distance runner and a track runner. Um, I think at the moment I could step on the track now and run a 10-minute 30. I'd, I'd never really find that too difficult. But if I was to plug that time in, um, I might do it now actually, into the calculator. This is into Daniel's. I can guarantee you my predicted marathon time. Would be super fast. So it's telling me I could run a two hours, 54 and four seconds marathon as much as I would love to dream about that and pretend that that was true, <laughs> um, you know, honestly, I could not run a two-hour fifty-four marathon right now because I'm a better short-distance runner than I am a long-distance runner because I've never trained for it. And you know, I think just from maybe some sheer talent, I could get out and, and pull out a good fifteen hundred meter. Like it's telling me that my equivalent would be a four fifty-four fifteen hundred meters. I actually think I'm a better 1,500-metre runner than I'm a 3K runner, and I think I could run quicker than 4.54 at the moment, off not training mm. for it. There's no way I could run a 2.54 marathon, and that's what I'm training for at the moment. 
Like it's actually phys- – I don't think it's physically possible. Um, so this is where I get, think I get a bit confused and maybe my th- 2 hours 59 is a bit aggressive um, because it is such a different event. It, it really is. And look, the, the other the, – the other, um, thing that I was going to mention was like half marathon race pace um, and using that to predict your marathon because that's like pretty much the most popular method that people use. And if I go back to Daniel's and to my the half that I ran at, at Canberra earlier in the year, so I think I ran um, 135 and a half, um, which according to the Daniel's methodology would give me a 321 marathon, which I can tell you at the time there is no way I was in shape to run a 321 marathon after running like a, you know, essentially a a um, 96-minute half marathon. Um, I don't know. At the moment I I figure like I'd be getting close to being fit enough to run the half marathon in about 90 minutes and I reckon, you know, that would put me in the ballpark of then being, being close to my marathon goal time of three hours 20 Ish, mm. but I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, maybe I not. think, look, for setting your goal pace, for me, um, I, mean, I know I've got my ultimate goal, which I'm still training to get up to do, but I need to basically forget about any times that I've run or know that I could run at the moment for the shorter things and really focus on those longer races. So I reckon my tip for listeners would be you know, go out and do a training run you know, over the longer or go and do a, you know, half marathon and get that time and see how you felt at the end of it you know could you honestly run that again (laughs) you know at that time or you know or 10 minutes slower Um, and if you comfortably say yes okay well then you you might be in your predicted time Um, but you know so my half marathon time in the Gold Coast my 127.22 I think it was um, which is a that's a very good time so what is that produce so, given various scenarios yeah so it has said that i so this is daniel's is suggesting a 302 10 marathon um okay. i ran gold coast like so poorly tactically it was shocking um there is no i didn't even want it you know 21.1 k's i basically fell over the line um the thought of running a, another meter further <laughs> yeah um so there's no way i could have run a three hour two I think maybe if I had to run a bit smarter, but I think I said to you mm. on the weekend that I feel like me at the moment, I'm in a three hour 10 shape. Yeah. And that's based off you know, just the way that my training is going, the way that I'm feeling, you know, some of these sort of tempo ish runs that I'm doing. I think comfortably I could run a three hour 10 marathon. Um, so as much as I'd love to pretend that I'm in three hour two shape. <laughs> Uh, you know, a little bit of common sense, I think, needs to be applied to when setting your goal pace as well. Um, and look, I'm still 13 weeks away, so I've got time to um, yep. bring that that down and that get that confidence up. But yeah, I think if the marathon was tomorrow, I'd, I'd be in that three hour ten pace. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what that classic formula that people trot out. Whether it's do your half marathon pace, double it, and add is it add five minutes or is it? Add I think 10 it's add minutes, ten or? minutes. Okay, all right. So, uh, yeah, if you ran 127 and a half, there, thereabouts, yeah, that is, what would that give you? That would give you 305, would that be right? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Three hundred four. So similar to three hundred four. Quite similar yep. to Daniel's, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so four minute thirty pace is a three hour ten marathon. I hand on heart yep. believe I could do that right at this um, point in time. Yep. And we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about this just for a little bit more today, but we're also gonna do, do a deeper dive on this next week because I just really think it's a a really interesting topic area for marathon runners who are trying to get their head around this but um we've both had a a bit of a look at um uh this article on the guardian website by a guy by the name of ian williams who's part of the the fetch running group you you're more seem to be more familiar with that than me so yeah fetch fetch everyone everyone i believe it's an online um training blog there's also like a forum and galleries and things but i think it started off as um where you could uh, basically an online training diary. Yeah. And so he, he he and his colleagues have done some number crunching, um, which kind of extends upon that basic half marathon formula and adjusts for a whole bunch of factors like sex and age and training volume, um, long runs, taper, a whole bunch of things. Um, and we'll get into maybe some of those a little bit more next week. But given your assertion that you could run – 310 at the moment we plugged your half marathon time into his formula and it came out at 309 yeah, 30915 so i yep. think um yeah pretty spot on so you yeah you you're not pumping up your own tires there there's some <laughs> <laughs> there's some actual uh there's been a bit of evidence there that um you, you're on the right track yeah. and and the thing that's interesting about that which i found fascinating was um that uh, females tend to run a bit faster off their half marathon time um, in terms of the full marathon than what males do. Mm. So, yeah, your time, if I'd had run 127.22 for the half, which I wish I had of, but I didn't, um, <laughs> I probably would have got a, you know, a three or four minute slower time for the marathon predicted out of that formula than than what you did as a female. Like what's going on yeah, with that? Yeah, so the suggested male time is three hours, 13, 37. Um, I guess yeah. collated from all of the data online from, you know, male and female, um, their, their training logs. And from memory, I think it was just from, um, you know, not elite runners and their training logs, but, you know, everyday runners like you and I who are yes, running. Yes, that's what I like about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, I, I think everyone should get on and plug this in and have a look and, you know, test it out, see how accurate it is to uh, what they can actually run. But, you know, these are everyday runners who are, you know, clocking around that 80 kilometres a week um, and their paces and, you know, what it is that they're doing and also that distinction between the genders um, gives a really accurate representation of what then they go on to run for their marathon. So yes. um, so I plugged, I plugged my um, Canberra halftime of, uh, yeah, uh, 135, 31 in and that spat out three hours 35 for the marathon for me, which that would be a PB um, by a little bit. Um, but I kind of I'd like to think I'm in a lot better shape than what I was when when we ran the, the Canberra half back in April, having run a lot of more K's since then. But think um, about back to when you ran Canberra and you ran the 135. Mm. Do you think that if you was to continue on to run the marathon, that you would have been in that 335 shape? Uh, probably not then. No, I just didn't didn't have enough weeks of 
training behind me to kind of sustain that. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. And another thing, when you're setting your goal pace, you have to take the training that you've done into account. And it's probably one thing that my goal um, race pace may be a bit aggressive, having two years completely off and I will only have run for 11 months getting to the race. Um, You know, I think you need to be realistic that you've, the marathon is about how many Ks you've done on your legs year on year um, and the consistency of it. Yep. That, that is, um, that is a true statement. Um, And yeah, look, I definitely like you've got your sub three hour goal and one day I'd like to do that as well. But I think for me, it's probably going to be a few years out. Um, And I reckon it would rely on me putting together at least another two years of really solid training and probably getting up into that sort of 100k a week kind of um training range which i don't think i'm going to achieve this this marathon build up um but by the time 2020 rolls around maybe maybe i'll be a sub three hour person no as well. you'll be there so uh, just for curiosity's sake because i'm a competitive person i'm plugging away into the fetch everyone predictor and i need to run a one hour 23 30 half marathon and that gets me two yeah. hours 59 57 <laughs> That's you know that's what I've always kind of thought. I thought it, the other thing I was thinking was that if I'm if I'm going to run under three hours for the marathon, I would have thought that I would needed to run eighty four minutes for the half well, marathon. You need to run quicker than that because that gives the marathon yeah. three hours, three minutes, and thirty seven seconds. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I'm probably going to have to get into like eighty three minute shape or something. Oh, I? I think you might have yeah. to get eighty two. Jeez, that's super super oh, speedy. Wow. I'm going to have to definitely do some tempo runs if I'm going to run that fast. <laughs> So 82 minutes gives you a two-hour 59.47. So there you are. There you go. Wow. 82-minute half is the new goal. Exactly. Any males out there who are doing similar training, leading similar lifestyles to us, 82 half and then you've got your sub three. (laughs) Oh, gee, that's that's pretty fast. So what's going on with this females able to hold the pace or or get a better result out of their half marathon time? Is that just because us guys are just, you know, really stupid and (laughs) – testosterone gets in the way and for the half we really just smash ourselves but you can't kind of get away with that in the full marathon is that what's going on it is maybe women are more patient um are able to sustain hurt for maybe longer periods of time i have heard that before um and yeah i guess that you know that testosterone would obviously mean more competitiveness which would mean yeah. your muscles are firing, um, you know, a lot earlier. You're probably burning a lot more energy from just that, I guess, sheer aggression that is built within yeah. males. Um, you can almost do a hero sprint at the end of a half marathon <laughs> as well, whereas in the marathon you're not going to be doing that really. Yeah, but I do think that is a really interesting observation to, um, you know, for what the Fetch Everyone team has made. Um, but there's got to be some truth into that. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to do some more research on that and delve into the reasons why during the week so we can talk about that next mm. time. Um, but before we do that, I was thinking I might just mention because I'm following this Phil Maffetone, um training program, uh, Dr. Phil has also got his own marathon race pace prediction formula, um, which I think is pr- pretty interesting. So I'll just quickly run that, run run the listeners through that one. So um, Dr. Phil uh, recommends that people do what he calls a math test on a 
like say a monthly basis as part of your training just to see that your your aerobic um, performance and fitness levels are improving based on your training and all of your other lifestyle factors. So that kind of basically involves doing a warm-up and then running three miles consecutively at, at your maximum predicted um Maffetone heart rate. So for me, that would look like doing, I don't know, like a three three k warm up, get my heart rate um, up and going, and then run three miles with my heart rate no higher than one thirty seven beats a minute. And what happens usually is, or what should happen is that you run your first mile of or first kilometer quite a bit quicker than the miles or kilometers that follow, um, and as part of that that test, um, Dr. Phil has looked at a lot of his data that he collected over 30 years um, and come up with a marathon pace predictor which says you can do your marathon goal pace at 15 seconds per mile faster than what your first mile of the math test is. So I'm more used to working in kilometre pace, so I'm going to do my math test again probably within the next week. So I'm going to bring this back for comparison um, for us to talk about. But let's say for argument's sake that I ran my first kilometre at five-minute kilometre pace. It would probably mean that I could run, based on his prediction, um, say run at 10 seconds per kilometre faster or thereabouts um, for the entire marathon, which would give me like a goal pace of 450 kilometre pace for the marathon. Which isn't far off what you're aiming to run anyway. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm secretly hoping that my math test will, <laughs> will, get, will, will turn out that I can say run my first K in about five minutes at 137 heart rate and that'll, again, give me a bit of confidence that I'm on yeah. the right track. So we've been talking marathon pace calculators and estimating your marathon goal pace. Um, So the tip of the week this week, um, considering the level of inconsistency and also I'd I'd almost say confusion um, in terms of what the different calculators um, tend to suggest to you would be that if you are going to rely on a marathon pace calculator, that you should choose one that's giving you a very conservative pace to start with. Mm. What about you, Lisa? What do you think? Yeah, look, I tend to agree. Um, I think it's it's quite fun actually plugging times into all the different calculators as well. And it's, it's a good exercise too actually so that you can understand what a huge like variation you can actually get. So I think after I had run Canberra, my 127, I I think I went to about four different calculators and I got a variation from I think about three hours two, um, you know, down to sort of about three hours 20. So that's a, that's a pretty big range. That's a huge range. Yeah. Um, and I think another thing with the calculators, I, some of them seem to maybe take into consideration more of a strength of the shorter distances. Um, I know for myself, if I was to plug in a time, they'd be pretty accurate for some of the um, more middle distances. Whereas, you know, if I was to plug in, say, my 3K time and if it was to spit out my predicted marathon time, um, 
I don't think I could get anywhere near that predicted marathon time. So I think I think two hours fifty four. Um, one of the calculators gives me if I plug in uh, like a three k time of around ten minutes thirty, and, and I could confidently say I could run that at the moment, the ten thirty um, for the three k. But there's no way I could run a two hours fifty four for a marathon. I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could. And speaking of optimistic. Um, calculators and estimators. I was just checking out my Polar Flow app that comes with my little heart rate monitor and GPS unit, and it is very optimistic at the moment about what it thinks I can run my marathon in. It's predicting a three-hour ten marathon based on my um, training data that it's consumed and done something to. I'm not sure what it's done, but it's come up with three hours ten. Yeah, wow, that's. Yeah, no offence, but I don't think you're in three-hour ten no, shape. Definitely not. As much but, as but, I'd love you to be right now. No, I know, I know, I'm not. I know, I'm not. I'm taking it with a grain of salt. But going to your point about the ability for these kind of things to estimate shorter distances, um, I think it is actually pretty close um, for the five k. Like, given I ran twenty oh eight or twenty oh nine at Park Run the other week, um, this app was predicting that I could run nineteen fifty which is pretty close. Yeah. Um, and it was also suggesting that I could run a 91-minute half marathon, which I think I could get pretty close to that mm. at the moment. But, yeah, there's no way I'd, I'm in 3-hour 10 marathon shape. So, yeah, there's a lot of variation out there. Mm. So I guess just rattle a couple off the top of your head so listeners um, can understand which ones are out there and so they can go and do some comparisons of themselves. Yeah, well, look, I think the one that we were um, talking about earlier in the podcast, this um, Go Fetch Me um, uh, fetch everyone? would be – Oh, sorry, Fetch Everyone. <laughs> fetch Everyone. Yeah, get it right, Brian. Um, I, th- I think that one, you know, based on – and we're going to go do a deeper dive into that next week, but that is a, a nice conservative – um, calculator that you could rely upon. Yeah, especially um, I think if you were look specifically marathon time, I think that's probably one of the most, if not the most accurate, not that I've run a marathon, but if I plug my current half marathon time in and it spits out, I think three hours nine, um, I think yes. at the moment, I I reckon I could do that at the moment. Yeah. And look, I think for me, it was I think if I plugged in a 90 minute half, it was giving me about a three hour 20 marathon goal time yep. um which i think is yeah i think if i could i think if i could run about 90 minutes i reckon i'd stand a pretty good chance of running 320 um for the marathon so that's that's probably the best one i think that we've come across obviously there's the daniel's running formula v dot tables which they're probably not really designed to be pace predictors they're more of a kind of way of comparing equivalent performances across yeah. different distances and then using that to guide your training paces. Yeah, I um, find Daniel's quite good, as I said, for those shorter middle distance. I find me them too. quite spot on. Um, but, yeah, the it's a bit of a stretch for the longer ones. I, they definitely are. Look, yeah, when I, I'm, I'm like you. When I look at my shorter distance performances, you know, and then look at the equivalent marathon times in Daniel's, it's just it's there's no way that um, uh, that, that would be realistic. Um, so yeah, those, those there are two that um, spring to mind. Have you got a couple that that you've had a look at as well? Oh, they're the two that I've mainly been on at the moment. Um, there is one on Runners World that I'm going to have a closer look at as well for for next week's show. Mm. 
Yeah. So, well, I mean, that three's enough, isn't it? <laughs> um, there's <laughs> also, right. uh, you know, Dr. Phil uh, Maffetonin has oh, exactly. a marathon yes. predictor as well. And, you know, that one um, is, that's probably actually given me the slowest prediction of a marathon. But it's the most conservative one. Yeah, that's definitely the most conservative one. And that's one we're going to be able to dive into a little bit more next week as well because I'll have gone away and done my math test and I can bring that back and um, I can compare those results to the – you've done a couple of math tests as well, so we'll be able to kind of compare our math results and see what Dr. Phil thinks that we're capable of. Um, yeah. And, and compare that to some of these other calculators that we've been looking at. And for me, I feel like the Dr. Phil math test one – is probably um, the other end of the spectrum, a bit far out from my prediction. So I've done four math tests um, this year and uh, the latest one was in June and my prediction was three hours 31. Yep. I definitely think I can run quicker than three hours 31. Um, and I think for me, the math one gets a bit thrown out just because of my previous heart surgery and my heart rate, because this one's based <clears throat> all on heart rate. And my heart rate really spikes when I first start running um, and it, it, it's a bit irregular sometimes. So it's, it skews these results out a little bit. Um, uh, I think you should take your cardiologist on your next <laughs> math test and he can, he can drive along in a buggy and just sort of work out what's going on. Well, I think it stresses me out more than it helps me. I'm watching this heart rate. I'm thinking, God, I'm running seven-minute Ks and it's 165 beats a minute. <laughs> Um, so yeah, look, I'm really actually keen to see what yours spits out because I'm not convinced that my heart works properly to <laughs> accurately, um, use that as a prediction. Well, yours does settle back pretty quickly after, after that. Um, yeah. so maybe your second math kilometer or kilometer or mile might be the one that, um, gives you some kind of indication of how you're going aerobically. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having a look at mine as well. So I'm kind of hoping for some non-windy weather, um, in the week ahead so that I can get a relatively accurate indication of, um, yeah. How and my I think with the math one as well, that's the one that, um, you know, he says in there, you know, do it at the same time of day. Don't do it when it's too hot or don't do it when it's too cold. So there's quite a few elements I think that you need to throw into the mix when doing that one um, because the when I had done the one in June, it was a freezing cold night and, you know, I always say how much I struggle in the cold and I just could not warm up at all. So I think that skewed the results as well. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's probably not as accurate as, you know, going and, and doing a, a race and seeing how you feel at the end of it and sort of plugging that into one of the more conservative predictors. Yeah, that's true. Although it must have been I was rereading some of Dr. Phil's stuff the other day and he was, what he was saying was that your math test is really important because sometimes if you only rely on your race results, um, they will actually come or a good race result could actually come at a time when you're already kind of dipping into overtraining. Um, so there is a probably a risk about just relying on the race um, 
where you know you're full of full of adrenaline and it's all happening um, and using that as a sort of a benchmark for your fitness mm. um, yeah I mean as so, well, I guess yeah. that's kind of the tip isn't it sort of use them as a guide but don't use it them is. as that's exactly what I'm going to run <laughs> yeah you're right and look at the the one last thing I just wanted to add before we wrap up is is just being quite cautious about using these um, as a means to generate your training paces, particularly if you're early on in your marathon campaign because if you pick an overly optimistic goal time and marathon pace and start smashing out marathon pace sessions um, when you're nowhere near fit enough or ready enough to do them, you could you know, pretty severely derail your hopes of making the start line um, fairly early on. So, yeah, just another reason to kind of take – one of the conservative paces, um, particularly if you're early on mm. in your marathon campaign. Yeah, definitely. I agree. All right. So we're nearly at a wrap, but what's happening for you in this coming week, Lisa? Yeah, look, I have not a lot of exciting stuff. It's just another week, week two of the 14-week marathon build-up. Um, it's just really a week of same-same, just one foot in front of the other, building on those Ks. Sounds good. Yeah, and um, sleep actually. That is absolutely <laughs> now that I'm not playing single mum anymore. Oh God, I'm gonna be lying in bed, breakfast in bed. <laughs> you might have to get one of those kind of like sleep tracker things to kind of uh track how many hours and what the quality of your sleep is. Oh yeah, I don't need a tracker for that. It's not enough. <laughs> not enough. <laughs> is what the answer is. <laughs> You already know the answer. Uh, very oh, good. I'm not doing a lot, but what about you? You've got a math test. Yes. Well, I am going to try and, you know, weather permitting, That'll the only thing that will get in the way is um, inclement weather. But, yeah, hopefully get the math test done um, and then we can come back and kind of talk through the process of doing that and also the results, which I think will be interesting. Um, the other thing I've got coming this week is another two lot, another two hill sessions um, which Hills. I'm really enjoying at the moment. They're really quite a lot of fun and giving me a lot of pep in my step, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got Fartlek Friday this week. so uh, The introduction. Exactly. So this is kind of like the formal introduction of doing a bit of 5K race pace VO2 max type training into my marathon program as per my training program that we talked about last time. So um, I'll be I'll be doing that on on. Um, on Friday, even it's Fight Lake Friday. And uh, yeah, so I'll be taking my Thursday run, I think, super slowly so I can I can hopefully get through that um, that session and do a good job of it. And then, yeah, I've got a pretty long run scheduled for Sunday at the end of the week. So I'm hoping to push out towards two and a half hours, but oh, wow. no marathon pace in that. I'll just be taking it nice, as it, nice and easy, a mm. bit of time on feet. You got a big one. You've got a lot of different things going on this week. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how I handle Thank it. So, <laughs> Let's yeah. see whether we, you're even around next week to talk about it. <laughs> well, I'm hoping so. I think there'll be a lot of slow running involved just to um, to get me over the line for these extra little things that I've added in this week. But, oh, it'll be good. So what day is math test? Did you say that? I'm probably going to try and do that on Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Um, oh, good. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing the results of that actually. Yeah, me too. Me mm. too. Okay. I think that's a wrap. Yeah, well, enjoy your week. Enjoy your fight like Friday, your math test, your long run. God. <laughs> and all of the things, yeah. It's, it's going to be a big one. <laughs> all right, I'll chat next week. Okay, you've been listening to the Running Technic Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. We'll see you next week.